This is Dr. Canadiana, a podcast about Canadian theatre history. I'm your host, Ashley Williamson. Episode 8, Who Gets to Tell the Stories? George Riga's The Ecstasy of Rita Joe and Marie Clemens' The Unnatural and Accidental Women. This episode of Dr. Canadiana will discuss two plays with similar subjects and themes, but that entered the Canadian canon at different points in our timeline and for different reasons. I will start with George Riga's 1967 Centennial Project, The Ecstasy of Rita Joe, which tells the story of an Indigenous woman navigating life, death, and the law in Vancouver. Then I will talk about Marie Clemens' The Unnatural and Accidental Women, which tells the story of Indigenous women navigating life, death, and the law in Vancouver. Not surprisingly, the plays in this podcast will include distressing topics such as sexual assault and violence. There's also a lot of outdated language. In episode three of Dr. Canadiana, Why is 1967 Such a Thing? I explained the concept of centennial projects. To review, a centennial project is an event, building, book, etc., funded by a government centennial grant, which were distributed by the 1963 Centennial Commission put together by Prime Minister Lester Pearson. However, colloquially, the term was used to describe projects that were developed to commemorate 100 years of Confederation. The Vancouver Playhouse commissioned George Riga to write a play for their 1967 season. He wrote The Ecstasy of Rita Joe. Incidentally, the 1967-68 season also included Tennessee Williams, A Streetcar Named Desire, George Farquhar's The Bow Stratagem, Androcles and the Lion by George Bernard Shaw, Philadelphia, Here I Come by Brian Friel. There was only one other Canadian play on the bill, Listen to the Wind by James Rainey. So we should ask, who is George Riga and why did he get this gig? Riga was born into a Ukrainian community in northern Alberta in 1972 and died in 1987 in Summerland, B.C. Articles about Riga tend to emphasize his rebelliousness, particularly against social and political norms of the time. In the 1950s, he lost his scholarship to the Banff School for the Arts for writing a poem critical of the Korean War. He was fired from his job on Edmonton Radio for publicly objecting to the trial of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, American citizens who were tried and convicted of espionage against the U.S. on behalf of the Soviet Union, and ultimately executed for it in 1951. Jerry Wasserman writes in his introduction to Rita Joe in his anthology, 15 Modern Canadian Plays, that, quote, with stubborn integrity and single-mindedness, Riga has made a career tearing at sensitive wounds, stirring up controversy, and sometimes making himself unpopular in the process, end quote. At the time Riga was asked to write the play for the 1967 season, he had published two novels, but he had only written one other play. It was a TV play for the CBC called Indian, about the unraveling of the Indigenous communities across Canada post-Confederation. The play depicted the contentious relationship between an Indigenous man and an Indian agent. According to the Canadian Encyclopedia, quote, Indian agents were the Canadian government's representatives on First Nations reserves from the 1830s to the 1960s. Often working in isolated locations far from settler communities, Indian agents implemented the government policy, enforced and administered the provisions for the Indian Act, 
and managed the day-to-day -day affairs of status Indians, end quote. In short, they were a deeply paternalistic manifestation of colonial powers, and I encourage listeners to research them further. But this indicates that the position of Indigenous people in Canada was already on Riga's mind, and the topic and perspective he would choose for the Centennial Commission was already rattling around in his head. The Canadian Theatre Encyclopedia says, quote, The ecstasy of Rita Joe recounts the story of a young Indigenous woman who comes to the city to find freedom from the limitations of reserve life, only to experience racism, marginalization, and finally, rape and murder. This contemporary tragedy condemns the brutality of a system that limits, rejects, or sentences Indigenous people to the lives of social and spiritual poverty, that takes away their pride, their traditions, and their language. The death of Rita Joe comes as a consequence of the imposition of a colonizing power on Indigenous peoples." End quote. The play was seen as an important step for both its socio-political message about the mistreatment of Indigenous people by Canada's governmental institution, but also an important step for Canadian theatre. The play eschews realism and linear storytelling in favour of dreamscapes, double casting, flashbacks, and sometimes a near stream of consciousness. The playing space was multi-level, featuring a huge ramp, and the lighting was used to create time and place, rather than traditional set pieces. If you think back to the list of other plays that season, you can see that Rita Joe was in every way a departure from the Vancouver Playhouse's status quo. Canadian Theatre Encyclopedia notes that Jack Richards of the Vancouver Sun echoed many other writers' sentiments when he said, I don't know if it's a great play, but if the role of the stage is to communicate, Riga and Bloomfield, the director, have accomplished their purpose. It is also worth noting that the reception of the play by Indigenous Canadians has also not been uniform. Prairie theatre historian Moira Day includes playwright Kenneth T. Williams' opinions about Rita Joe in a 2017 article. Williams calls it a white tourist play and poverty porn, which he sees as, quote, just as destructive as the forces of colonization Riga decries in his play, end quote. On the other hand, Yvette Nolan, an Anishinaabe playwright, still finds value in Rita Joe being taught and produced. She directed the play for the National Arts Centre in 2009 and said about the experience, quote, former NAC artistic director Peter Hinton was quite careful when he approached me to direct the 40th anniversary production, precisely because of the play's complicated genesis and the increasing awareness around appropriation of Indigenous stories. But I knew that Rita Joe's story was the story of so many young Indigenous people who come to the city and try to make a better life, only to find the obstacles insurmountable, end quote. Ultimately, her viewpoint was that, quote, theater offers a way for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people to discuss and examine some of these issues, end quote. The multiple reactions to the play do not change the fact that it became an important work of Canadian theater almost immediately. Many of the reasons for this are laid out in Professor Moira Day's 2017 article called George Riga, Miss Donahue, and Me, 40 Years of Rita Joe in the University in which she grapples not only with the play as a dramatic and historical document, but her own relationship to the play as a student and then a professor teaching it. I will oversimplify some of it here, but 
It is an insightful and beautifully written article, and I would encourage everyone to read it. It's Googleable. Some of her main points are this. The play was one of the first Canadian plays published by Talon Books, and therefore available to professors designing syllabi, so it got into the canon almost immediately. Its inclusion in Wasserman's 15 modern Canadian plays gave it what she says, virtual publishing immortality for the university classroom. Also, the play was problematic in many ways. It was written by a white man about Indigenous experiences. Early university productions were cast with non-Indigenous actors. But these problems also make the play an excellent teaching tool, enabling not only discussions of the socio-political issues in the play, but about cultural representation and diversity within university classrooms and acting studios. It was for these reasons that Day continued to engage her students with the text, even when, quote, by the late 1980s, a significant new Indigenous dramas like Thompson Highway's The Res Sisters and Dry Lips Ought to Move to Capus Casing became accessible texts following nationally acclaimed productions. It became increasingly tempting not to teach Rita Joe at all, end quote. Day continued to return to the play in her classroom and continues to find it difficult and frustrating, but describes many satisfying teaching experiences with it too. To me, a play that even imperfectly compels a teacher to assign it to her students year after year so they can contemplate their country, their society, grappling with itself and with its identity. And what both of those mean over time is a good enough reason to have it in the Canadian theatre history canon. The Unnatural and Accidental Women, after the break. The clocks are falling back this weekend, which means that the cold, dark winter is upon us. So why not subscribe to Toques and Socks? Every month for only 20 bucks, you'll receive a toque with a matching pair of socks. That's T-O-O-X-N-S-O-X. Stay cozy, stay fashionable. Promo code Moira Day. An early criticism of the ecstasy of Rita Joe was that as a white man, Rigo was not speaking as a member of a community, but rather for a community. In 1979, the Edmonton Sun reporter, Dave Billington, wrote that Riga, quote, puts words in the mouths of his Indian characters and stimulates emotional responses, which are at best dubious and at worst downright specious, end quote. This criticism has persisted, rightfully, and over the course of 50 years since Rita Joe premiered, Canadian theatre and drama has moved toward Indigenous playwrights being the ones to tell Indigenous stories. In 1982, Bunny Sickard found Native Earth Performing Arts in Toronto, and its support of First Nations and Métis artists through co-productions with other houses, cabarets, and festivals raised the profile and voices of Indigenous artists through the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. These voices and perspectives include Thompson Highway and his plays Res Sisters and Dry Lips Ought to Move to Capus Casing from the mid-80s, Monique Mojica's 1990 play Princess Pocahontas and the Blue Spots, Daniel David Moses' Almighty Voice and His Wife from 1992, Yvette Nolan's Job's Wife, published in 1995, and Marie Clemens' The Unnatural and Accidental Woman, which premiered on November 2nd, 2000, and ran until November 25th at the Firehall Arts Centre in Vancouver. Marie Clemens was born in 1962 and is Métis. In the 1990s, she lived and worked in Vancouver as a reporter. She was also a TV writer. 
most notably for the CBC show Da Vinci's Inquest that was about the missing and murdered women of East Hastings, Vancouver, and it aired in the late 1990s when she was writing The Unnatural and Accidental Women. Clemens has also been the playwright-in-residence at the National Theatre School, Banff Arts Centre, and National Arts Centre, as well as the writer-in-residence at Simon Fraser University and University of British Columbia. Her theatrical style has been described as blending of Aboriginal storytelling, ritual, and Western theatrical conventions. Some of the stories told in The Unnatural and Accidental Women are of Indigenous women who would have been living in Vancouver at the same time as the fictional Rita Jo. They were early victims of a serial killer called Gilbert Jordan. Between 1965 and 1988, Jordan, a barber, was linked to the deaths of between eight and 10 women and used alcohol as his murder weapon. His method took advantage of the fact that no one would investigate the alcohol-related deaths of mostly indigenous female victims. And he was right. He would buy drinks for women in bars or offer to pay them to drink with him or have sex with him. And when they were incapacitated, drunk, he would continue to pour liquor down their throats until they died. The deaths were reported as alcohol poisoning and ruled accidental. Newspapers would write dismissively of the victims as hookers or prostitutes, although many were not involved in survival sex work at all. Gilbert Jordan was arrested in connection to two women's deaths in the fall of 1987, but released. He was put under surveillance, and between October 12th and November 26th, 1987, police watched him, quote, search out Native Indian women in Skid Row of Vancouver. On four different occasions, they, the police, rescued the women involved before she too became a victim, end quote. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison in 1988, but was released in 1994. He died in 2006. The case itself, as well as Clemens' play, highlight the lack of care and outright dismissal of the lives of women who Gilbert Jordan victimized. Like the magistrate in Rita Joe, who says, quote, You become a whore, drunkard, user of narcotics, at best dying of illness or malnutrition, at worst kicked or beaten to death by some angry white man scum who finds you something lower than himself to pound his frustrations out on. What is to be done? You Indians seem to be incapable of taking action to help yourselves. Someone must take care of you. Who? End quote. The police and public's reaction to Jordan's victims, and later the missing and murdered from the Highway of Tears, is similar. I'm sorry your sister or mother was killed, but what did you expect? She didn't play by the rules. She was drinking. She was hanging around men. She earned money with sex work. In a piece with the website Art Life about Marie Clemens and her play, the author Patrick Langston writes that, quote, Clemens was driven to write the play after seeing a multi-paged newspaper spread about Jordan that included just a quarter page or so about his victims. That imbalance prompted her to start researching the women, and that led to the play, which brings the spirits of 10 murdered women together in support of Rebecca, the daughter of one of the victims who is searching for answers about her mother's disappearance, end quote. That is the difference between Rita Joe and the unnatural and accidental women the treatment and positionality of the women in their lives and in the play. Clemens' play is about the women. Riga's is about an archetype. 
The Canadian Theatre Encyclopedia notes that, quote, Using a wide range of forms and media, the play critiques state apathy to racial and gendered violence and celebrates the women as life-affirming and interconnected, even after death, end quote. In Being There, Stage Presence and the Unnatural and Accidental Women, Sarah Banting writes about the dramaturgical techniques that help Clemens put the women, the characters of her play, but also the real victims of Gilbert Jordan at the center of the play. She writes that, quote, the play did not seek to fill the absence left by the actual women's death with substitute presence imagined in the theater. Clemens' play allows that absence to echo, end quote. Clemens gives the women in her play names that resemble the actual names of murdered women. She notes that, quote, family members and friends of the actual women were in the attendance as well, and the Fireball Arts Center works hard to involve the downtown Eastside community in its programming. Indeed, it made a special effort for this play to bring downtown Eastside women into the world of theater, many for the first time to see their stories reflected on stage in a dignified and respectful manner." End quote. It is worth noting that during the first run of the play, a play about the vulnerability and precarity of Canada's Indigenous women, Gilbert Jordan, a man convicted of killing them, was as Banting says, quote, alive, out of jail, and still making newspaper headlines. On the 31st of August in 2000, a CBC article titled Predator Back in Jail says, quote, Gilbert Jordan is charged with sexual assault and administering a noxious substance to a woman in Victoria, end quote. That year, he also attempted to change his name, exploiting a loophole in BC that would have meant his fingerprints wouldn't have followed him. The CBC reported on the 12th of August 2004 that, quote, boozing barber caught in Winnipeg, end quote. In 2005, the Saanich police outside of Victoria, B.C., issued a warning about Gilbert Jordan, saying he has a significant criminal record, including manslaughter and indecent insult of a female. He uses alcohol to lure his victims. In 2006, the year that Gilbert Jordan died, a film based on the play was released. Marie Clemens wrote the screenplay, and it was directed by Carl Besai. It won several awards, including the Vancouver International Film Festival's Best Western Canadian Feature, and two Leo Awards for acting for Callum, Keith, Rainey, and Marco Kane. Last year, in June, 52 years after George Riga showed Canada on its 100th birthday, what systematic abuse and societal neglect of the Indigenous population looked like. And 19 years after Marie Clemens dramatized indifference towards Indigenous women's death and how it continued into the new century, Canada's government released its final report on the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. Here are two findings that I think connect to both plays. The inquiry found that Indigenous women and girls are 12 times more likely to be murdered or go missing than members of any other demographic group in Canada, and 16 times more likely to be slain or to disappear than white women. Marie Clemens addresses the reasons she thought this happened in her interview with Artfile. When she was writing the play, she wondered how could this have happened to these smart, strong women? She says, quote, Separation from community and heritage number among the things that can make people vulnerable. Residential schools, foster care systems, the 60s scoop, these all visited terrible results on those who endured them, end quote. 
The inquiry said that too often murder investigations are marked by indifference and negative stereotypes that result in indigenous deaths and disappearances being investigated. The sentiment is echoed in both plays, but particularly the magistrate character in Rita Joe. Two months after the National Inquiry released its report, the Indigenous Theatre in Ottawa, in concert with the National Arts Centre, premiered its first season, which included The Unnatural and Accidental Women. Kevin Loring, the artistic director, said the time seemed appropriate to revisit the work. Quote, Marie was writing about this issue long before it was a national headline, end quote. The play was directed by 81-year-old Muriel Miguel, a choreographer and actress who founded the Brooklyn-based performance troupe Spider Woman Theatre in 1976 as a space for Indigenous women, which was the longest-running theatre company of its kind in North America. The art file piece about the play also posits that Clemens' play came too soon. Its only professional productions had been in 2000 and 2004. Marie Clemens' response to that was, quote, the cosmology has changed. Almost 20 years ago, it was harder to put up a huge production of nearly all Indigenous performers around a controversial subject. I think people were a little frightened of it at the time. And maybe they still are. End quote. Next week on Dr. Canadiana, our topic will be dramaturgy, particularly the way dramaturgy evolved in Canada. I will be speaking to Dr. Lisa Aikman, an expert in Canadian dramaturgy and new play development. We will be using David Freeman's 1970s play, Creeps, as a case study. Until next time, eh? Resources consulted for this episode include Canadian Theatre Encyclopedia entries for George Riga, Marie Clemens, and Native Earth Performing Arts Centre, Vancouver Playhouse website, National Arts Centre website, Murderpedia. You can write it better. Theatre has a role to play in reconciliation from the University of Saskatchewan News website. Moira Day's article, George Riga, Miss Donahue, and Me, 40 Years of the Ecstasy of Rita Joe in University, which can be found in volume 38 of the Theatre Research in Canada journal. Dave Billington's Riga's Tangled Rita, the review of the ecstasy of Rita Joe in the Edmonton Sun from March 1979. Sandra Banting's Being There, Stage Presence and the Unnatural and Accidental Women. The Art File article, Marie Clemens' Powerful Play, opens at NAC, Indigenous Art Festival. It's About Time, Ottawa's Indigenous Theatre Repairs to Launch Its First Season by David Friend. And... The National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Final Report, published by the Government of Canada.